You're listening to Divorce Happy Hour with your hosts, Christina Previtt and John Nocklinger. We're two divorce lawyers from New Jersey here to talk about love, life, and divorce. Whether you're thinking about divorce, going through one now, or been there, done that, or if you're just a divorce lawyer, this show is for you. To learn more about us and our law firm, you can find us at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com. You can also find us on social media. Just search for NJ Divorce Solutions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let us know if you like the show or hate the show and what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Please keep in mind that this show is for informational purposes only. It's not intended to take the place of legal advice. If you need legal advice, please call New Jersey Divorce Solutions at 732-384-1550 and mention this program for a free consultation. I do want to talk about an issue that also comes up quite frequently in our practice, and that is another favorite topic, the topic of infidelity. Mm. We've already talked a little bit about infidelity in the news, but let's talk about how it relates to our clients and some of the typical questions that they have for us regarding infidelity. And I will deliver the bad news just right from the beginning. It doesn't matter in the divorce, period. It doesn't matter. We get so many people that are, are floored when they find out that there is not going to be any real consequence to their their partner or their spouse who cheated on them. And we've touched on this in other topics. It's because the court is a court of law. It's not a moral court. It's not church. Nobody's there to pass judgment on anyone from a moral perspective. Uh, you know, you may answer to someone else for that, but a judge is not there to scold anybody or punish anybody because they stepped out on the marriage. And I think that's something that's very difficult for people. What's your experience been with that, John? Well, the first thing that strikes me all the time when I'm meeting with new clients is how many people think that it still matters. Um, so, and I don't know what's out in the universe where that is making people think that, um, you know, they're not going to have to pay alimony because their spouse cheated on them. But many people come into our office believing that it matters. So many people will start the conversation with me with, oh, I have all the text messages and all the emails and all these pictures and blah. And I, you know, part of me is, part of me wants to stop them right then and say, not relevant, let's move on. But of course, I like them to go ahead and tell me all of that because even though it's not relevant towards anything that's going to happen in the case, except with some examples that maybe we'll talk about today, um, I do like to I do like to get a flavor for what I'm dealing with. You know, what are the personalities? What kind of emotions are there going to be in this case? Because when there's adultery, more often than not, it's a little bit more of a high conflict case because someone's pissed off particularly the one that's found their husband in bed with somebody else and they're in a lawyer's office two hours later. You know, those people... Yeah, or they found a text message yeah. or they saw an email. That's how it happens these days. Yeah, so it just that's what strikes me is how many people come in with it already in their head that my spouse cheated on me, so I'm going to keep the house or I'm going to get custody of the kids or I'm not going to have to pay alimony. Or or just that they're going to cause embarrassment. That right. They're, you know, they're going to make this public. It's going to be in the courtroom. It's going to be where I don't even know where they think it's going to be. It's going to be in a public record somewhere and that this uh, person is going to be embarrassed. And then 
sometimes they want you to serve papers on what's referred to as the correspondent. That is the person that they had the affair with. If they've done some Google research, they know that it's still on the books that if you do allege adultery as a fault-based claim for divorce, you can reference this other person, the other woman or the other man, and actually serve them with papers. It's really just an inconvenience. It's going to cost you more money because you have to serve them and really has no bearing on anything. It has no bearing on alimony, child support, custody, equitable distribution, any of it. So it's really kind of a waste of time. But sometimes people want to engage in that. And what I tell people and what I'll tell you, our trusted listeners, is try to find some other outlet for your anger and your emotion. You know, I don't know. Go out. Maybe go. Go throw those hatchets. You know (laughs) those hatchets? (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Just go find someone else. <laughs> Why do I feel you haven't that you've given that advice to clients before? Um, I'm not sure if if I have, but I'm giving it to you all now, and that's free. So, you know, I haven't filed for I haven't filed a complaint for divorce for adultery in more than a decade. It's been a long time, but you still have to have the conversation. Yeah, you do. So, what again? I want to tell the listeners is that if this has happened to you, I know you're angry. I know you're upset. You're hurt. You know you're feeling a lot of different things, and you have every right to feel those things. And we're not telling you to turn that off. We're just telling you that there is a time and a place for that discussion. It really isn't with your divorce lawyer. It's with your conversation with your divorce lawyer is more about dollars and cents and things that are relating to the children. If you want to share the experience with your lawyer, just so that we have a context of what we're dealing with, that's fine. I certainly will. I will never shut anybody down who wants to tell me about that, but you just need to stay focused. Your divorce is not going to become about the adultery because it's just not relevant. There are a few examples where it could have some bearing. They're very limited, but we will bring them to your attention. One of them is if your um, spouse was spending a lot of money on this other person, whether it was a man or woman, whoever this other paramour was, if they were spending a lot of money on them and diverting marital funds to this other person, then you could have some claim that those were marital funds and half of it was yours and that you should get some sort of reimbursement. I'm not talking about a $100 dinner. I'm talking about regular recurring large expenses like vacations, um, gifts, you know, sizable gifts. Or if, you know, if they if they were spending a lot of money, like every single day they were just spending hundreds of dollars on dinners and hotels and things like that. Not a small amount of money. It has to really amount to something. It's the type of money that if you're paying attention to your finances, you should notice. Yes, you would see it. Um, so, and I would tell you to look at how much money are we talking about? If there was one vacation that cost $5,000, okay, half of it is yours, $2,500. Please do not go and spend $20,000. Go get $2,500. Just don't do it because you're not going to feel better. Even if you win and you get the $2,500 reimbursement, you're not going to feel better Mm -mm. because the fact is your spouse still cheated on you. And that hurt is not hurt that is going to go away with money. It's, it's you know, maybe will go away with time. 
So please consider that. And this doesn't come up all that often. You know, and I think most people do recognize that it's a small amount of money and it's not worth bringing it up. But what you have to do if you're in this situation, and I had this case uh, a number of years ago, is the the person that your spouse had the affair with actually has to be part of the lawsuit. Um, because a lot of this is getting – part of it is getting them to give back whatever it is your spouse gave to them. Um, so we ha- I had this case where the, uh, the woman that my client had an affair with uh, was brought into the case because my client bought her all this jewelry. I mean, we're talking, I think, $150,000 of jewelry. And, of course, it was jewelry that, um, that no one knew where it was. It was lost. Um, but it certainly didn't go to my client's ex-wife. So he claimed that he, it was jewelry he had bought his wife? Yes, because he had bought a lot of jewelry for her as well. So then, of course, as with, as with I think, I, I, I guess jewelry depreciates the second you buy it. Um, but, of course, none of it was worth what it was originally purchased for. And he did some interesting things, like he bought diamonds, and then down the road they were turned into jewelry. So we had all kinds of weird things going on. But that was a lot of money. That was $100,000 of money. Now, and I, I bring up this case because that was part of what he spent money on. Then he also took her out to dinners and stuff quite frequently. But that all added up to like two or $3,000. My, uh, my client never had to repay any of that money because it's really no different, I don't think, uh, than you just taking out friends to eat. Yeah. It's sort of Ooh, John, that's it's that's f- a hard one. It's food. It's you know, it's food, but Do it's you not you tell it, your client like, you know what, isn't it really just like taking your friend out? Oh, <laughs> you can't say that. A friend with benefits, perhaps. <laughs> but but even within that, you only want to go after the big ticket items. So, you know, is there something out there that's a lot of money? Quite frankly, the vacation thing always cracks me up. Because if it's been going on for a while, how did you not notice that your spouse was going on these vacations with well, the girlfriend or the boyfriend? Like, I, I've always wondered, like, how is your do you just have your head in the ground and you just don't know well, what's going on? Well, they could say that it's travel, uh, work travel, work related travel, I guess. or that they're going on a golfing trip with the boys. I mean, that's true. They, I where guess there's that's a will, true. there's a way. They, they just find excuses. Well, I think that's why most people get upset about adultery, anyways. That not that the fact their spouse cheated on them, but I think in some ways they're embarrassed about the fact that it went on for a period of time and they didn't they they didn't even recognize that it was going on. Because I've I'm sorry, I think it's if you just look for signs, there are always signs that your spouse is cheating on you. There just always are. There's signs. Do um, you think that people just stick their head in the sand? I do. I do because you know most people th- divorce is the worst thing that anyone can really go through. I mean, maybe obviously, like the death of a child, I'm not talking about something like that. But in terms of an interpersonal relationship, divorce is really difficult. I mean, most people have a hard time breaking up with somebody they're not married to. Yeah, they do. You know, so or even th- quitting their job, right. telling their employer they don't want to work for them anymore. And think about the fact you have this, you know, fifty thousand dollar wedding. Everyone came to it, and now you're faced with the prospect of your spouse cheating on you. There's so much embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, ultimately is what people are upset about, is all those, it's not, they might be mad at their spouse that their spouse cheated on them, but I think more often than not, they're, they're ashamed. 
They're they're embarrassed. There are all these other things, and they're trying to find a way to make sure that their spouse feels the same pain they're feeling yeah. in some way. Because if so, if your spouse is cheating on you, why would you want to be married to them anyway? I know there are people that are like, okay, you cheated on me. Let's work through it. But in my experience, uh, not just as a lawyer, but just as a human, <laughs> when someone cheats once, they usually are going to cheat again because it's hmm. you you either think that the your marriage is a marriage a, a, a monogamous relationship or you don't because if you're going to be a cheater i mean i guess there's situations where someone just gets drunk one night and they have like a one night thing that they're never going to do again there might be those people but. that'd be something i would be interested in hearing from our audience about because I, it's kind of a tricky subject. I don't think it's that simple. Because I personally don't think that people... I don't think there are many people who just cheat for sport. I don't think that there are many people that are just like, oh, you know what, I'm going to go out tonight. I'm just going to go find somebody and, and then I'll just go home. I, I think there are people who do that. But I think more often something is lacking in the relationship between the, the, the couple, in the couple that... It could be sex. I don't think it's always that simple, but it could be. I mean, sometimes it is that simple. I think sometimes there's some emotional connection that is lacking. Um, I think at the root of it, someone is not feeling appreciated. And so they're getting that, whatever that thing is that's lacking, they're, they're getting that somewhere else. And I think sometimes the affair happens completely by accident. They don't mean for it to happen. But maybe they meet someone and maybe someone at work because, let's face it, a lot of affairs happen in the workplace. You're spending a lot of time with somebody every day and this emotional connection develops and maybe it fills something that you don't have in your marriage. And one thing leads to another and there you, you are. And I don't mean to sound like so casual about it, but that's how it happens. I think most people would agree you don't choose who you fall in love with. It well, just sort of happens. Yeah, and you know, maybe sometimes it's not even that they're in love. Again, well, it's I know, just but... that there's there's just something some some need that is being met or fulfilled by this other person that you're not getting at home. And so maybe what I would suggest is that people explore in counseling what that is. You know, what led to that affair in the first place and how do we if we can, how do we fix our marriage so that we we both feel like we're getting what we need and we don't need to seek those things elsewhere. So one it's interesting the last thing you just said, there is one sort of subset of adultery that um I encounter a lot in my in my practice just because I re- I I have sort of an LGBT uh heavy practice and that is the, the people that are cheating, but they're cheating with, uh, you know, they're married to a woman and they're cheating with a man or a woman who's married to a man who's cheating with another woman. Um, take all the things we're talking about here and multiply them times 100 if that's yeah, what's going so on. So you can't fix that. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't fix it. And it's even worse because now not only are you cheating, but you lived a lie. You know, and, ch- and it affects children in a different way. The whole thing is even is even more um more difficult to deal with. So there there's all kinds of versions of cheating, but really you're right. Someone's not getting what they need. Uh, but I never want to blame the other person cuz obviously you both need things in a marriage. Everyone needs something. Yeah, I don't think there's um room for blame. I think if you if you can so that was one topic I wanted to cover is can you can you 
live through infidelity? I mean, can a marriage survive infidelity? I think all you have to do is ask Hillary Clinton to answer that question. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe not the best example. I'm not sure I even want to ask this question, but I'm going to do it anyway just to see Christine's reaction. When, when's the last time you think they... I don't know. I, I mean, do they? When Chelsea was conceived, maybe? maybe? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? They just might surprise you. God. They might surprise you. You never know. You know, sometimes the little librarian that you, that you just think is, like, totally proper, she may have a double life you know nothing about. So I have learned not to make judgments. Hey, you know what? Bill and Hillary, they might, and their safe word, I bet, is Trump. I'm just thinking. Oh, God. It's probably their yeah. safe word, well, that would as much as Hillary loves them. That would put a damper on things for sure, so that seems like a good safe word. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to the infidelity conversation, I think that— um, Yes, that is an itch you can't scratch, right? And and that uh, that adds a whole new layer to it. It does. I mean, we have had cases together in our office where there was infidelity and somebody obviously realized that they were gay or maybe they knew they were gay, but it was just something they didn't want to, to live a lie any longer. And it's very difficult for the other spouse to to come to terms with that. I think it's it adds like a whole other layer of, I guess, feeling betrayed, feeling like whatever they had with the spouse for all those years wasn't real. Have you ever heard any insight from a therapist about that? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Christina, because we've known each other for a while. Um, w- When I was younger, I was fully intent on getting married to a woman and I am gay. Um, because there are societal norms, right? That's actually a reason some people get married in the first place. It's because society's pushing them. Um, And different parts of the country have different norms. Like in the South, it's very common for you to get married right out of college, which I think is the worst decision most people could possibly make. Like, do you even know what you want out of life when you're 21, 22? But so I think a lot of times what happens is people aren't ready for marriage, and this is one of them, is that they... They're getting married for some reason. Maybe someone got pregnant and they feel like they have to get married. Their family's pressuring them to get married. Um, it's a cultural thing. There's certain cultures out there um, where you, you know, your parents basically choose your spouse for you. Um, there's all kinds of things that go on. And so I'm not really that surprised people um, cheat on their spouses because whenever you get married for all the wrong reasons, and that's my opinion, wrong reasons, um, Adultery is something that comes up because it's probably more likely than not you're not getting everything you need out of the relationship because maybe maybe you shouldn't have never have gotten married in the first place. But this is what happens here is that people who are who are gay or lesbian, they get married. And by the way, it could be a bisexual person, too, who just decided at some point in their life it's time to explore the other side of them Um and there are there are relationships out there where they're open and you know someone is in the marriage and they go do something somewhere else. Um, yeah, I'm so learning that things. there are a lot of other kinds of um, yeah. we'll say unorthodox relationships that people just don't talk about. No, they there don't. are plenty of people that will just agree that you know I can do things on the side and we're just not going to talk about it. And that's just how things are. It's, that's absolutely. If you are one of happens. those people, please email me at Christina at PNLawNJ.com because I would like to talk about that experience with you. And you could be anonymous if anybody is willing to come on the radio and talk about that. I would be interested in, in hearing more about that. Yeah, I'd also be interested um, 
if our listeners would find um, divorce support groups to be um, something that would interest them within the context of being represented by an attorney? Like, would it be helpful to sit around a table with other people that are going through a divorce to talk about these issues? Because I have a, a big suspicion that a lot of the problems that we have with clients is because they're not talking about the issues. With, well, I, I mean, don't think it's that they're not willing to talk about it. What I have heard from friends who have gone through divorce, they say that people start avoiding them. The, the phone stops ringing. People just avoid them. You know, And a lot mm. of times we travel in couples, right? We have couples that we socialize with. I think that maybe people feel like uncomfortable because they have to pick a side. They feel like they have to pick a side. Well, am I going to be friends with wife or am I going to be with husband? Um, or can I be friends with both? I will tell you from my own experience that when you do have a friend, a couple, who's getting a divorce, sometimes it's difficult to maintain the friendship because every time you see them, it's all they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be in a situation where I'm expected to badmouth the other one. Or in my particular case, give legal advice. It's not that I don't ever want, I don't want to hear you and I don't want to, you know, be able to offer some solace for or encouragement for whatever it is that you're experiencing. But you, you really cannot expect that everyone around you is going to live your divorce with you. You need to find an outlet, whether it's a support group or a therapist or maybe some other friends who are going through the same thing. You need to find some network of people that understand, want to talk about it, can be a sounding board for you. Not your attorney. They're too expensive for that because your other friends, maybe the people that are mutual friends with your spouse, you do have a tendency to alienate them or run the risk that you're alienating them if you need to vent about your divorce every time you see them. So I think that happens often. Um, but, but going to your point, I do think sometimes people feel like, um, you know, they're, they're being avoided. That could be one reason. The other reason also could just be the expectation that you're going to want to talk about it. And, and, you know, I had a friend tell me once she got divorced a long time ago, but she said it was like people thought it was contagious, Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think sometimes it forces people to look at their own relationship and thank God, well, they're getting divorced. You know, my marriage isn't so great and kind of just want to not you know, just avoid it, not not think about it, not talk about it. So there could be a little bit of that going on, too. So um, I think we veered off a little bit from the legal aspect of infidelity, <laughs> um, but mostly the answer is that it doesn't matter. If you have other questions for us about um, how infidelity could potentially impact your divorce, we're happy to entertain those questions. Give us a call at 732-529-6937. Thank you for listening to Divorce Happy Hour, and we'll see you next time.